0: MNK Talk YA now presents Evermore Part 2 of the Everless Duology by Sarah Holland.
1: to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week in our Young Adult Fiction podcast,
0: we read the rest of Evermore. I just had a second where I was like, wait, did we finish the book? But we did. That's what we did. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) We finished the book and we finished the series. We finished the entire Everless series by Sarah Holland.
0: Yeah, it was only two books. It was a quick one.
1: It was super quick because the books themselves weren't that long either. They were like i don't know 350 pages 400 pages yeah not not bad yeah not even well how do we think about how this all wrapped up i remember we were nervous last time because we had as always we had like 100 pages left and all this stuff still had to happen and we had new characters that we were wondering if we'd get to meet or get to know better i guess i'm satisfied with how it ended i just thought that it was a little um anticlimactic i guess Yeah, like the whole thing was like, oh, we have to find the snake knife so we can stab Caro. And then that's exactly what happens. Like I kind of expected there to be maybe a little bit more of a twist.
0: Well, we did. It wasn't just like stabbing her. It had something to do with she like put all these memories into the knife. So in stabbing her, we like got a bunch of questions answered or whatever, I guess. Yeah. But I agree. Even the fact that it was, like, back in the place where they started and <clears> that she, like, didn't get stopped by anybody when she was back in town. And, I don't, yeah, I agree. There's sort of, like, in some ways it almost seemed too easy. Cause yeah. basically they had a plan and they followed it.
1: They had a plan, they followed it. And then, of course, the knife ended up being in the most obvious place possible. Like, of course it was in the vault. Yeah. It makes sense that she would put it in the vault, like, the one weapon that could destroy her. Yeah, Carol would put it in the vault.
0: Although, okay, so I was a, I was a little bit confused. So, okay. it was like in a hidden room at the top of the vault or on the top of the tower that you get to through the vault. Right. Was it a prison or was it just their bedroom?
1: Oh, I thought it was just like a workshop.
0: Oh, cuz it had the two beds in it.
1: Oh, that's true. And then it had the tool. Oh, you know, it, it was because I think wasn't that the place where the Lord had kept them?
0: Well, yeah, but then when through the memories and stuff, we get this whole backstory about how the alchemists and the sorceress were actually like best friends growing up. And yep. the Lord was um, Caro's dad and all this stuff. So I was like, so she wasn't really a prisoner. Like in the legend, they were locked up and this kind of felt like a secret hidden cell type of room but then also the way the story was told I was like it sort of feels like they just lived together and he had questionable motives that she didn't agree with.
1: I agree but then at what point does it become a prison? Because they had that whole flashback at the end with Carol and Jules growing up and Carol was unwilling to turn against her father because she still loved him but Jules was the one who was like no this guy's evil he has to be stopped so I'm kind of wondering like Maybe to Caro, they were just living together, but maybe to Jules, it was a prison.
0: Yeah, but it also, I mean, I guess, how do you define prison? Because I think she was physically free to like roam around. It's just where else would she go? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like a cell.
1: No, I don't think so. But she stabs him. (laughs) Like she, and I feel like that I feel like she thought it was the only way to stop him from doing what he was doing. Is are we to believe that this lord was the one who invented the iron time blood thing?
0: I guess. Well, and that was the other thing. Like, we didn't have a... I guess he was truly the bad guy, not Caro, kind of. But we, like, didn't even know enough about him to... Like, I guess he was pure evil because that's what we're told. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) Yeah, I just, I sort of felt like there was still just like too much going on. And we were jumping around so much. And because Mm -hmm. of the fact that so many things were kept a secret until the end. Yeah. It was sort of like, I couldn't guess or like, so I sort of just like, accepted everything because I was like okay like I guess I don't know anything else or better so okay this may you know I sort of feel like if we there was too much going on like either we should have focused a story on like time and blood and the royal family and all of that mm-hmm. or we should have done the story of the alchemist and the sorceress and their friendship and multiple lives like I kind of felt like there was too many two different stories yeah
1: that's a good point because also like I feel like there was a lot going on but at the same time I felt like everything just repeated itself. Yeah. And you kind of said that last week because it was like this main character is not learning at all from her mistakes. So the entire book I thought was just... Let me go to a place that's important to me. I go there. Carol knew I was going to go there. She sends someone and attacks me. And then I'm going to go to a new place that calls to me that brings back a memory. Oh, but she knew I was going to be there too, so she sends someone else to attack me. And it was just like a whole string of her going to these different locations and the same thing happening over and over. So it was like Groundhog's Day. I was like, at what point are you going to learn from your mistakes and stop doing this? Well,
0: even like with Liam, Liam kept being like, no, I think we should leave town. And then she <laughs> like freeze him and run away and do whatever right. she wanted and then they would like repeat it and then but at the end all she they kissed and she was like you need to go home and he didn't even fight her he was just like okay I guess you're right I was like literally two minutes ago you were insisting that you had to leave the country with her or you were gonna like kidnap her and now you're just like okay I right, see ya and same with Ina like Ina I thought it was kind of cool We're being, the huntsman is looking for jewels and we don't know who it is. And then eventually it gets revealed that it's Ina. But then she just like tells Ina the truth, which I'm (laughs) glad she does. But she kind of accepts it really easily. Yeah. Which,
1: like, oh, I'm your long-lost twin, and she's like, huh, okay, here's my huntsman disguise. Go go do what you gotta do.
0: Yeah, I'm your long-lost twin. I'm also the alchemist, which everyone thought was, like, a fake story. <laughs> this is my 12th life, and your best friend is the one who killed your mom and yeah. framed me and is trying to kill me now. And I'm your twin. I know you've always wanted to know who your family is. Like, I just feel like she accepted it way too easily, or even if she, like, accepted it as truth even if you accept that truth I feel like it would be harder to like respond to if that makes sense
1: I totally agree but there just wasn't time in these books I know yeah (laughs) and then
0: we did see well there was yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: It was no <laughs> I know
0: you were excited to see more of what's it what's his friend's name Leon oh Thomas, Elias it? Elias and we did see more of him and I liked him as a character but I still didn't get to know him quite well enough because I thought he was he kind of could have been our like pirate prince a little bit but he didn't get quite enough spotlight
1: totally and then we didn't really see him I mean I really liked the scene when he, she asks him basically Jules is like hey if if things go badly I need you to kill me because I don't want to be captured alive. And we have that, like, great moment mm-hmm. where... He does. <laughs> or he tries. Yeah, like, the huntsman arrive and he's like, okay, here, here it comes. And he throws a knife at her. And it stabs her. <laughs> And it stabs her, but she, like, rewinds time, I guess, and doesn't die. But she doesn't do it on purpose. It's like she can't control the time, which that's a whole other thing. I don't understand how this magic works at all.
0: Well, yeah, I don't either. Especially when you add in Ever, (laughs) or whatever his name is. And I'm like, so he was stronger than both of them, but he could just be stabbed by this knife that she could just walk up to him and cut his throat with.
1: Well, she, that's why she stole the sorceress's heart in the first place, because she stole Caro's heart because she wasn't power, powerful enough to make this weapon of pure love to destroy Lord Ever, who was pure evil.
0: I don't get how you can make... How do you make a weapon of pure love by stealing somebody's heart? That doesn't even make any sense. Like, I feel like that's, like, the <laughs> opposite of pure... Like, I feel like love has yeah, to be freely given to count or something. Right,
1: right. It's, like, it's a very violent thing to do. And then you're like, and now it's pure love. <laughs> and Carol's <laughs> there, like, what the hell did you do? Why did you steal my heart? I didn't tell you you could do that.
0: Even, like, okay, because then the other thing I was thinking about, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, wow, she just went up and, like, stabbed this guy, and he didn't even put up a fight, and maybe the weapon, maybe once he got stabbed by the knife, I'd maybe buy that it was so powerful, but it's also, like, I get the impression she was, like, a kid, maybe an older, maybe a teenager or something, Mm -hmm. and he was a grown, vicious man, and how did she even get close enough to like stab him with no fight? I don't even get that. But then on the other hand, there were all these other things where she was like in all these fights where people were trying to kill her. And she we don't have any evidence that she has any background in fighting. And she kept like besting these people even without her magic, or at least holding her
1: own. I thought that she slowed time. Well,
0: sometimes she did. But that was the other thing. It was like, when can she use her time? Like sometimes her time just works without her wanting it to and other times she's like yeah fighting and she can't and she's trying to and she can't and I was like and sometimes she can make ropes fray like 30 years and other times she, <laughs> and she
1: can like cause boulders to crumble she,
0: she can't heal a wound fast enough or something and I'm like I just yeah I don't understand the rules of it well enough
1: I, I agree. I totally agree. And and like, the whole fact that like, this weapon of pure love creating it is what started this whole feud in the first place. Like that doesn't add up really to me at all.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, and then so the so they still so she was giving her I still don't get how we went from so she stole the heart and put it in the knife. But then how did we get to, like, the 12 lives thing from there?
1: Because I think she, she tried was to, give it to give it back. And so she put it in the stones, and she was like, swallow these stones, and it'll give you your heart back. But then the sorceress was like, no, you tricked me. Once. Fool me once. Shame on me. Whatever. So she made, so she, like, forced the stones down Jules's throat, and that's how she was reborn 12 times.
0: But I still don't <laughs> even understand why, like, okay, if I was Caro, and my best friend had stolen my heart, why would I then make her swallow the thing. she like I didn't really understand that logic I sort of understood it in the
1: legend version I think she thought that it was going to kill her I think she thought the stones would kill her yeah but why did she think that because she didn't trust her at that point and she was like you've come to finish the rest of me I guess you've come to finish what you started
0: but then even in that case I feel like I would kill her without kill I don't it just seemed weird and then to like hold a grudge for 11 of her lives and be like (laughs) yeah you did you didn't lie to me But I want my heart back. I don't like it just like some it just kind of felt like, I don't know, a missing piece to me. I agree. And then even at the end, so at the end she gets her heart back through the knife, which if that was how she got it, then what did the stones have to do with it? If it was in the
1: knife the whole time. Oh well I think the stones I don't think Or did it break out from her heart? I'm
0: like confused.
1: Yes, I think that the so the stones were in jewels, which meant the heart of the sorceress was inside jewels. And when jewels stabs Kara with a knife I think it broke whatever spell and then it broke like the heart that had to break to break Jules was the sorceress's heart and I kind of liked that like the, th- the person that would break Jules ended up being Kara.
0: Yeah so then she started getting her heart back but she died too fast but she ate a part of it so she might still be reborn.
1: Yeah which is kind of interesting she like swallowed a little bit of the light and th- she said there are ways of defying death and of coming back. So will she, I'm, I'm thinking. So
0: I guess there are multiple pieces that I like. I just <laughs> don't feel like they all connect very well in my mind. Or I sort of feel like the rules keep changing. I don't know. I'm just like really yeah. struggling with when I like line it all up.
1: It wasn't deep enough. It wasn't deep enough. Yeah. But I like the idea that Carol could come back and maybe now that the rift between them is healed, maybe she can come back and they can forge a new relationship and be friends again. Yeah, I like that idea too. Like I feel like if Caro came back, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It would be like a let's let's catch up on last on lost time and like repair our friendship.
0: Kind of, except I still feel like Caro spent eleven lives worth of time. <laughs> like, is there anything good left in her? I don't know. I mean, like, yes, I agree, but also they didn't even have enough of a like peaceful moment. We just saw the fact that we just saw what sparked it all. We saw that they used
1: to be friends, but we didn't really see any real depth of connection with them. Yeah. Agreed. Same with her and Liam, though. Jules and Liam, like, they have this, like, great love now, but I just didn't buy it because I didn't see enough of them together, and I get that he was infatuated with the alchemist, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, especially the communication part. Yeah. (laughs) And then I also didn't get, okay, so Rowan died, and then even though Liam is alive and a brother and a son... There was. All, was it because Liam like rejected the girling and or um role as heir or something? Or like why was the whole why was Everless? Why were all the other like cousins and stuff fighting for? power there like I was sort of like I still didn't understand what happened with Liam and his family and why first of all why Rowan was in front of him in line anyways and then secondly why it was so like hotly debated who was gonna take over the girling crown even though the parents are probably gonna live for a bajillion years anyways so what's the big deal?
1: And why did he throw his brother in the forge? Still didn't learn that. I'm, I'm not letting go of that. <laughs> and we
0: didn't really see why. So, I mean, we kind of got the sense that there's more to Liam than just being a girling. And I, we saw he was interested in, like, studying and stuff. But we didn't really see any evidence that he, like, wanted to change things or, like, I don't know. Like, I sort of felt like we should have seen him step up to be a different kind of leader. And we never really saw that either. He was kind of in his own thing.
1: He's very single-minded. Like, he just wants to protect Jules. And that's it. And then she keeps thwarting him by, like, putting him to sleep and, like, freezing him to go run off and go to parties. And I feel like that – I don't buy that in their relationship because, like, how can you have trust if, like, someone is literally binding you against your will to go do the opposite of what you ask them to do?
0: Yeah, if you can't have a conversation and, like, reach an agreement.
1: yeah. You can't just run off and do what you want.
0: If you think he's going to kidnap you and you respond by freezing him and running away, like, that's not the best problem-solving technique I've ever heard.
1: It's not the stuff of great romance, either, in my book. (laughs) So, yeah, I didn't quite buy into the main ship. And then we thought, at the end, Ina and Elias, like, it was casually mentioned that they're probably going to end up together.
0: And they hadn't even interacted. Right? (laughs)
1: not even met. I don't understand. I don't really either. I
0: enjoyed it while i was reading it but there were just a lot of pieces that didn't fit all into a complete puzzle for me
1: yes and you know what i think as a concept it was a really great idea Mm -hmm. like the whole idea of time being bound to blood and running out of time and i wish we would have focused on that story rather than the alchemist and the sorceress and their feud because i just feel like there was a bigger story that needed to be told here and it didn't get shared
0: well i agree and i think that's i think with Elias there talking about, like, other countries that don't have the blood and her sister being the queen and even Liam being in, like, this... Position of power that's been taking advantage of people for so long. Like I thought, there really was an opportunity for some of that. And even though we're kind of over that story of let's save the world, but <laughs> some more of that focus. Or I didn't actually hate the alchemist and the sorceress stuff, and I thought it was kind of cool that they were friends initially and like the legend and the. Mm-hmm. I sort of felt like there didn't need to be twelve lives because we didn't go back twelve times to twelve different things. But regardless. You know, I, I, but I just, I didn't feel like we needed both in this story, especially a story that was so relatively fast. It was like, let's focus on the sorceress and the alchemist and like that relationship, or let's focus on this cool world that you've built around time mm-hmm. and blood and the rich taking advantage of the poor who are literally running out of time that's how yeah. they're dying and you know I loved some of the stuff that she had where like the rich were you know feeding fires just to you know, or, you know like just like the crazy things they were doing with like
1: years and if you take blood from the dead people you mm-hmm. die there are cool rules with what she came up with I agree
0: although even that I was confused so how do you die if you still have time blood left
1: well i mean you're like you're not um invincible right like if someone runs you through with a sword you die i think it's just like you would naturally you would but wouldn't you die from blood loss or would you die from i mean i think your body works the same way it's just like like if i'm living now maybe i'll i'll live naturally to be 80 but if someone runs me through with a sword i'm gonna die now okay you <laughs> feel like i kind of buy it
0: I mean, it goes back to my thing about, like, the starving and the if you have time and the, like, I, I I kind of buy it, but I don't feel like the rules are clear enough. And I think it's a little bit, I don't know. But I did look up if you could really die from old age. Because isn't that what, Um. so one of the people she visits on her quest, she goes with Steph, mm-hmm. the hedge witch's cousin or something or some relative. Oh, yes. Job. Job, whose mother, Althea, was a stronger hedge witch who's recently died and she knows carol killed her but like the word on the street is that she died from old age or something under
1: strange circumstances yeah
0: yeah because she had a lot of time money blood whatever coins left. Blood iron. Thank you. Blood (laughs) iron. I should write that down so I can say it properly. (laughs) Yeah. So you basically, you can't die from old age. As you get older, your cells become less good at like fighting disease or not breaking or... Your telomeres shorten. whatnot. but it's, it's never old age that kills you. It's always something else that you like. So things that like might not have bothered you when you were young Mm. will affect you differently when you're older. But you know, even if it's like a common cold or a fall down the stairs, it's like harder to recover. Related to the fact that your cells are older and what and your body's older, and it's just like harder to do what it needs to do. But it's not like it's not like you just actually die because you were alive too long.
1: Run out of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I liked it. I wanted to see more. I either wanted, yeah, I wanted to see less of the legend and more of the world.
1: I also think it would have been cool if when they were going to these new places and like finding places that were significant to the alchemist in her previous lives. Like, if they had gone to different places and learned something really important and meaningful and, like, pieced together a story bit by bit, that could have been really interesting. But instead, I felt like we went to all these places, we had weird visions that we didn't understand, and then we didn't figure out what actually happened until the very end, until, like, the last five pages – and so I think, like, if, it, if if we had discovered more along the way, instead of, it, instead of it being very vague, it would have been, I think, more satisfying. Instead of, I felt like it was the same thing happening over and over.
0: I agree. Or even if everything had connected back to the legend somehow. Because we saw some ties back to the legend. Mm-hmm. And I liked those parts. Yeah. But then there were a lot of, like, kind of random, unrelated things. And then also, like I said a few minutes ago... We talked about the fact that she had 12 different lives, but we really only saw maybe two of them. We saw her first life a lot.
1: Antonia, yeah.
0: And we saw whichever life it was where she was in the thief's fortress or whatever they called it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's like if there were 12 of them, I feel like there should have, even if we didn't go and visit sites or something, there should have been something about each of her 12 lives. Yeah. Or else they should have just picked three lives or something. I don't know.
1: Exactly. make They make your have less lives. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Why 12? It just seems like... A little unnecessary, especially if you're not going to delve into it fully.
0: And we didn't get enough of the secondary characters. Agreed. Like you said, Ina and Elias, maybe they end up together, but I don't, I've never seen them interact. We didn't see anybody from, even when we went back to Everless, we didn't see anybody from her life as a right. servant. I was expecting boy. something, remember... Yeah, or remember that room where you could, like, whisper? Yeah, the whispering walls. Yeah, I thought that was going to come back. I thought back. that was going to come back. Yeah. Hmm. Or even the bad guy, I forget his name now, the, like, Liam's Ivan, old buddy who's actually the evil one. Ivan. Yeah, I thought we'd see Ivan at least again. It just kind of felt like, oh, okay, like, now it's over.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It wrapped up a little too quickly.
0: And do we... Especially considering they've had this... For 12 lives worth of, I don't know. Yeah.
1: And do we feel like when Caro died, the magic of the blood iron died with her? Like, do we think no one's blood is bound to time anymore? I don't think that's true. I
0: think it still is.
1: I wasn't sure. I thought that maybe like when she died, everyone would be free.
0: Because I thought Ever was the one who really did that. And he died a long time ago. Like, I think they might be able to undo it, okay. but I don't think just because she died, it was undone, okay. but maybe I could have missed something. I was, by the end, I was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make sense of things, but I even, I like the idea of like, you need pure love to defeat pure evil. Yeah. I didn't even get why it had to be a knife. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get how that tool, how you can steal something to make pure love.
1: I didn't get, there just, there's a lot of things I didn't really get. I agree. Well, do you want to hear what I researched? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, really liked the idea of carol and jules how they started out as friends and they became enemies Uh so i started researching people who started famous stories of people who started out as friends and then became enemies but instead what turned up was enemies who then became friends so the reverse exactly exactly the reverse That's
0: kind of happier to think about. I know. I don't want to think about how we're going to end up mortal enemies one day (gasps) or something. Don't steal my heart, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Rival podcast.
1: (laughs) So yeah, it was kind of definitely more uplifting. So um, here are some stories of people who started out as terrible enemies and for good reason and then who ended up being really good friends. I'm so excited. Okay, the first one is... A POW who became friends with his torturer. I feel like we've heard
0: something about this before. Did we? Oh, maybe that.
1: Keep going. Okay, so it was during the it was during World War II. There was a British army officer named Eric Lomax, and he became a prisoner of war in a. It's a strip of land called Death's Railway, which sounds terrible. It's um, between Burma and Thailand. That does not sound fun. Not mm-hmm. at all. So um, the Japanese had um, were basically controlling this area and they were they were keeping thousands of POWs there and um this man this British man was captured and he the the reason he was captured was he built a radio receiver out of scraps and they thought that he was trying to um like start a POW uprising Mm -hmm. so they captured him and tried to torture a confession out of him and they like broke his arms they broke his hip i mean horrible horrible interrogations and how was that one of the men who was leading these interrogations was named Nagase. Nagase takashi was um one of his torturers and he um was able to be released from this POW camp eventually, Um, but he was, you know, obviously very traumatized by this. He was determined to hunt down all of the men who tortured him. And he spent the next This feels like a movie. Kind of. Like this man, this British man spent the next five decades trying wow. to locate Nagase. And he was like looking through old war records and he was trying to find him. He finally found him in nineteen ninety three and he he located him. He arranged a meeting with him and he had every intention to kill him. And then oh, wow. as they started talking they realized that they actually had a lot in common. So when they when they met, this Japanese man apparently just like burst into tears and and was full of regret for what he did. He said he had been like plagued with guilt for the rest of his life and he um, actually was helping the Allies find and uncover graves along the this strip of land so people could be properly buried and then he devoted the rest of his life to charity. And so, not to excuse what he did, but... This British man, Lomax, kind of realized that they were both um, suffering by the by what they what happened to them in the past, like what they did versus what happens to them. Mm-hmm. So they both kind of had this PTSD um, that was induced from the past, and they ended up staying good friends for the rest of their lives. That's cool. Their story inspired a film called *The Railway Man* with Colin Firth.
0: I was gonna say, it sounds like it would be a good movie.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't realize it was one. And I mean, it's amazing that he spent so long dreaming of revenge. You know, like five decades tracking down this man who tortured him to kill him. And he had every intention of going through with it. And then started talking to him. And I guess... I don't know. I guess, like, when you finally start to see people as human, it can change something in you. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's such a long time, though. To I mean, like, it's... I know! Like, dreaming of
0: revenge. It ends up really good, but it's, it's like, horrible, everything that happened before that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's it seems almost impossible that it could happen, right? Yeah. Okay, this is interesting. So, in 1982, a man named Tommy Pigog... Pigaji, he was driving drunk and he crashed into another vehicle, um, who, which was being driven by a man named Ted Morris and he killed this other man. He killed Ted Morris and it was on Christmas Eve. So Ted's parents, uh, Frank and Elizabeth Morris were, you know, beyond devastated by this and their grief turned into rage when Pigaji, the guy who was driving, he was sentenced to five years probation instead of prison and so these Mm -hmm. parents were completely like they could not get over the fact that the person who killed their son only was given five years of probation understandable what they did was they started shadowing him they started stalking this man because they were trying to catch him for um, violating his probation Mm -hmm. so like as part of his probation this man had to spend two months Two nights a month behind bars. So Elizabeth Morris would go to the jail on those evenings to make sure he didn't miss his appointment. So, they, like, they were basically stalking him, trying to catch him, making a mistake so they could send him to prison. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What a way to live.
0: I know. For both of them. Both sides. Someone just waiting for you to mess up or just watching. Yeah. Okay.
1: Anyways. So he, um, as part of his terms, he also had to attend lectures organized by Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and he had to give speeches. And so Mm. Elizabeth Morris went to his first talk, and she was prepared to, like, tear him apart during this lecture, but Mm -hmm. she listened to him, and he gave a whole lecture about how he believes he he is a murderer, and he accepts full responsibility, and he recognized the fact that he got basically, like, a a slap on the wrist— for committing murder, and she was moved by his lecture, and she Mm -hmm. went up to talk to him afterwards, and when she was talking to him, she actually smelled that he had alcohol in his breath, which was a violation. Yeah. So he did go to jail... But they, the, the Morrises actually kind of started feeling a little bit bad for him because of this lecture that he gave and how moved they were by it. And so they began visiting him in jail. And eventually they started petitioning the court to take him out of jail to like bring him to church and to do other activities. And with their support, he was able to get on probation again. He became sober and he turned his life around. And the Morrises said that they realized that helping him was actually helping themselves heal. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: But again, so terrible to have to go through all this stuff. (sighs) Although doesn't it also make you think like, you're just reminding me, remember that book we read for our other book club back when we were living in the same place? What was it called? Picking Cotton?
1: Do you remember that well, one? Oh, I don't remember reading that one. That yeah, was your other I book. for something else. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that was a different book. That I was
0: in. It was about. It was told from two different perspectives. One is a man who was falsely accused of rape and sent to prison for many years before he was mm. found innocent, and the other was the woman who falsely accused him. Oh. And they're now friends, I guess.
1: Wow. I think you told me about this. I didn't read the book, but I think you mentioned it in a different episode.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Why did I read this? who else am I in book clubs with I
1: don't even remember
0: but um yeah that's what kind of what you're reminding me of too it's like you could totally understand hating someone for that like you know falsely accusing you of something and all everything you lost but then instead being able to recognize like what they went through also like what you were saying a minute ago like seeing people as human and instead of just monsters is really yeah powerful it's
1: also an interesting debate though too because I remember reading an article about a woman who was a holocaust survivor and Mm -hmm. she went back Back and she met the doctor who experimented on her at the at this death camp, and she faced him again, and she forgave him essentially. Um, and it was interesting because there were a lot of members of the Jewish community who um, were very upset at her for doing this because I think, and I think people outside of the Jewish community were as well. Um, there was like a, a mix of people who were like admiring her for being able to have forgiveness. But then there were other people who were saying, should you be forgiving someone like this? Like, does that, does that kind of diminish what we went through? And is that fair for the rest of us who survived this torture at his hands? you know, is that, is that okay? And, and I think it was just kind of an interesting debate to like, are you showing respect to the victims for showing forgiveness? Or are you showing, you know, a, a side of humanity that says I can go through something like this and still have forgiveness for you and to heal yourself internally?
0: Well, was she, you said she was an actual victim too, right? She was, yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, I understand why people reacted. But just because she forgives him doesn't mean he's forgiven for everything he did to
1: everybody else. It doesn't absolve him of his guilt at all. Yeah,
0: and for a lot of people, it's not even about the person you're forgiving. It's about yourself and, like, letting go of that anger or moving forward with your life and a lot of, you know, Mm -hmm. like...
1: Yeah, that was the whole debate, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, though. But
0: how can you get mad at someone for, like, finding peace even after something terrible? Because
1: I think in some cases, people are like, this is an unforgivable offense. And, like, no, we will never forgive you for what you did to us. Like, we're not going to rid yourself of guilt, Like, we're not going to be the benevolent ones now who say, okay, you're forgiven. Don't live the rest of your life with your guilt. They have to live with what he did to them. So I think in their minds, he should have to live with his guilt if he even experienced any. Yeah. So like, yeah, I can totally see both sides of the argument.
0: But I feel like... Well, I guess I don't, I don't know all the details, but I feel like a person can forgive someone without everyone forgiving them.
1: that's very true. Like, and they can
0: still feel guilty. Like, just because she forgives them doesn't mean Jewish people around the world or everyone around the world. I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I, it's an interesting debate. I'm just, I obviously feel strongly about one side and I didn't know I
1: would. (laughs) So So yeah, those are just a few stories of, I mean, there's more, there's, A man who was kidnapped as a boy and was... The man who kidnapped him attempted to murder him and... Oh, I get it. Yeah, it was really bad. But he was 10. His name was Chris Carrier. In 1974, he was kidnapped by a man named David McAllister, who was a nurse for the boy's uncle. So he kind of had that connection and he kidnapped him. After he was fired. So his uncle, I guess, let him go. And he, I guess, retaliated by kidnapping his nephew. The boy survived the attack. And he, I mean, he was left blind in one eye. Mm. So, you know, definitely experienced a ton of trauma. He should repress that memory. Yeah. Just kidding. Linked to last week. And so when this man was... So, the um, McAllister, he was never caught, which is kind of crazy. I guess there was no evidence incriminating him of this attempted murder. But then in 1996, he confessed to the abductions after the statute of limitations had expired. And so, hmm. I guess at this point, McAllister was 77 years old. He was blind and he was in a nursing home. He had no friends or family. Basically, he had no one left in the world and he was just a dying old man. So the boy mm-hmm. he kidnapped, he was older by then as well, and he went to visit him in the hospital and the the mcallister apologized and you know expressed great remorse for what he did so in carrier said from now on there'll be there'll be no anger or revenge between us nothing except a new friendship which i don't know how you do but i don't know either. he continued visiting mcallister for the rest of his life he um brought him gifts and food to the hospital he read him bible passages he made sure he was properly cared for um until he died so Isn't that crazy? Like, the only person... Well, it's weird because, like, in a weird,
0: twisted way, it's like, good thing you kidnapped that guy so you're not alone in your old age, which isn't obviously the moral of the story, but isn't it kind of weird how, like, if he hadn't done that, he would still probably be alone at
1: 77 and no one would even feel... The only person who was there for him at the end was the person he most severely wronged, probably, in his life. It's just mind-boggling. It is. It's crazy.
0: I looked up a little bit about shrines, Oh, when we saw when Jules visited Joab, however you say his name, Joab? Job, yeah. I don't know, Job. She saw a shrine for his mo- mother and she made a lot of comments about how it felt more real than like the shrine she had seen at other witches places or whatever. And I was just kind of, I don't know, but image stuck with me. So I looked up some different things about okay. shrines and everything I read about shrines also talked about altars. Mm. But basically, like every culture, culture in the world has some, like, if everywhere people have lived, there's some evidence of some kind of altar or shrine in almost all of them, some way that they give a monument to their dead or something to their god hmm. or, or whatever. So there's a ton of different examples, but this was kind of one of the coolest ones okay. found. I found. I found this one article called, it's like seven strange shrines around the world. Ooh. And Oh, I need to send you a picture of this. There is, it is in Enterprise, Alabama, which is a really small town. This monument, and it basically, it's a 13 foot tall. Wow. It's called the Bull Weevil Monument. Bull Weevil? And yes, aka <laughs> okay. the little pest, the yeah. agricultural pest that, so basically it, <laughs> back in like the 1915, around then. Is that what it was? There was, like, this infestation of boll weevils in Alabama and destroying the cotton crop, which is what they... Were known for. (laughs) Were known for. That's how they, like, made all their money. So by 1918, basically whole crops of cotton were disappearing. And so this guy, H.M. Sessions, saw this as a new opportunity, and he basically helped a bunch of farmers convert over to peanut farming, which became a different great crop. And ultimately down the road, they were able to do cotton again and all this stuff. But it, so they, this bull weevil is credited with like being a herald of prosperity for this community, because if this pest hadn't come, they wouldn't have, found these other ways to like improve their economy hmm. and diversify their agriculture and stuff like that. So even though it was like this terrible thing that happened to them, but it's like such a funny statue because it's so it's like a it looks like you know a traditional greek statue with a woman and like a gown and her hands are over her head (laughs) and what she's holding is a giant bug (laughs) and i guess actually the bug came like 30 years later or something so originally it was just the woman and at some point later they added this bull weevil like an actual bull weevil on top of the statue but it says from the beginning even before the bull weevil like the 30 years at the very beginning the inscription or whatever you call it says in profound appreciation of the bull weevil and what it has done as a herald of prosperity this <laughs> monument was erected by the citizens of enterprise coffee county alabama
1: no a shrine to a bug yeah uh, and it like kind of looks cool yeah
0: but so i guess they have a they do have a problem with vandalism though oh, yeah. so multiple times it's been stolen even whole parts of it have been oh, stolen no. but it's always found and repaired Okay. <laughs> Until I guess one of the hands is damaged in 1998, and they were going to repair it, but it was really expensive, and so they put up like a, a- fake replica instead Mm. yeah that was kind of I just thought that one was such a funny yeah
1: that's really funny shrine
0: and like the story behind it I like went off on this whole tangent about but (laughs) there's a lot of cool like visually pleasing and interesting different kinds of shrines or um there's this one there's like a pasture for Amelia Earhart Mm. that memorialized Amelia Earhart so it looks cool because you can see it from a plane I don't know most of the other ones I mean have like kind of sad stories a lot of monuments and shrines are after some kind of tragedy which to be fair the bull weevil thing kind of was too because that was like a really hard thing for that community when they didn't have any money and all their crops were dying but um it was also kind of inspirational because you see the transformative power of creative destruction that was a nice catchphrase (laughs) um so yeah I don't really want to share any of the other okay. shrine stories they're not as cool. <laughs> it, nothing beats the bug story. <laughs> I mean there's there's some cool ones but that one I just like that one was just fascinating to me I thought it was so cool. I agree. There are a lot of also different like traditions at different shrines so like in some you like write things down or you move things a certain way or you know you pray certain prayers or whatever and I read a little bit about um, different cultures where you like what you should do if you want to make your own shrine for someone and a lot of them are just like think about the person and words and objects that remind you of them and like find a space for it but they also talked a little bit about portable shrines Mm. so like even like carrying a matchbox around can be a shrine to someone that mattered to you or whatever so you know shrine they can be giant monuments like the Taj Mahal or they can be small a matchbox
1: well, you pretty much have a shrine in your house now, because I just saw the bookshelf you and James built, and I have major bookshelf envy, and that's like a shrine to reading in my mind.
0: It was amazing. I was just like, James, can we put up a couple of bookshelves on this floor, because I had so many boxes that we hadn't unpacked yet, and he was like, yeah, but when we were there he was like let's do the whole wall so I think so he measured it he was like I think we can get three bookshelves on this wall I was like great then we got to the store and he goes oh I think we can fit an extra shelf on top you have to like buy a separate extra shelf I was like that's gonna be like another three shelves that's awesome then he was like oh this corner piece so basically now I have a wall and a half floor-to-ceiling bookshelves and it is amazing and he told me I can fill in all the empty spaces so I can
1: buy more books. I would just love organizing that like that sounds so lame but Just spending an entire day, like, organizing all of my books by genre and putting them in alphabetical order would bring me so much joy.
0: (laughs) I know, I've been actually kind of stressing about like what method I want to do. So what I did, so I have three other bookshelves too. So I already have a bookshelf with all our podcast books in order. I have a bookshelf with all my book of the month books I've already read. And then I had another one of just like each shelf is a little bit different theme, but they're all books I've already read in our guest room, just if people want to borrow something. Mm -hmm. So this one, all I did so far is I separated it. It's kind of by color, but very loosely Because I literally... I haven't had all my boxes... All my books unpacked in the same place in years. Because they've... I've had a ton of boxes in my parents' basement. And I didn't bring a bunch to school even. And so I just needed to, like, get them all out so I can see them. So now I get to organize them. And I've been, like, debating (laughs) what I want to do. I like the rainbow. And, like, how I want to connect them. I really do like the I do, too. It is really cool. But I also... I don't think I remember books by their cover color very well, and I want to be able to...
1: Yeah, I would never find anything. Find them,
0: yeah. Or, and I, you know, I like series together, so I might do some... And I don't want it super color-coordinated, because then I think I'll get anal about it, and I'll have to, like, get a new blue book, (laughs) I'll have to, like, move everything in the bookshelf or something. Yeah, people have good ideas for how to organize a bookshelf, let me know, but... I'm excited and I'll
1: probably do it like 15 times but (laughs) just when you get bored just pull them all out and do it all over again
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly but it's so nice to see them and there's so many I haven't read it's kind of embarrassing I need to really get to work I haven't read so I know we talked about in March I read 16 books the only book I've read this month is evermore (laughs) (laughs) and it's 10 days in the month already so I need to get busy.
1: I just finished a series that I loved. I and I, I went into it like not really expecting much. I read the Lux series.
0: Oh, I saw you reading that. Yeah. I mean on Goodreads.
1: Yeah, it was by Anna Go- Anna Godberson. And I loved it so much. There were four in the series. It was like Downton Abbey Meets Gossip Girl.
0: Is it YA? Should we do it for a podcast?
1: It is YA, actually. Um, we totally could. It's are they all out they're all out and it was like I just really enjoyed reading it so much (laughs) it was just like different because it it kind of has like a Victorian type of writing to it you know like if you read something by like Jane Austen and it's not quite like that Mm -hmm. but um I guess it's a lot easier to read than that but it kind of has that feel and like the costumes are so good and it's like really juicy and twisty and I really enjoyed it a lot
0: oh that reminds me what were the six words about this series
1: again Do you remember? Oh yes I do.
0: I want to see if I feel like they all apply now that we've finished because one of them was twisty or something wasn't it?
1: All right. Twisty bloody magic friendship secrets self-discovery. Yeah I guess I buy it. Not so much twisty. I mean a little twisty. There was a twist that we didn't see.
0: Well it was it was twisty but in like a because we didn't have the like I couldn't it's same with like mysteries like if I like it when a mystery at the end, if I didn't know it was coming, but I then see how there were clues and I should have been able to figure it out or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want it to be like, oh, at the end, this thing we never even mentioned is the key to everything or whatever. And so I kind of felt like... And then friendship, I feel like it didn't go deep enough on the friendship part.
1: Agreed. Because, I mean, we don't really get very much of Jules and Liam being friends. Mm -hmm. We don't really get much of her and Carol being friends. It's like, Mm -mm. yeah, that was a little... Could have been more, but, yeah.
0: Oh, and we have to come up with a fan name, which I didn't think of any good ones Yeah,
1: I just thought of one.
0: Oh, good. What?
1: What if we are Timelenders?
0: Okay, I was trying to think of different roles, and the only one I could remember was Bleeders, Bleeders? which I didn't want to suggest. I so. don't want to be
1: a bleeder. <laughs>
0: I like Timelender a okay. lot better than that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I wrote down, and then I wrote Blood Thief, and then I wrote, I mean Bleeder. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, let's be time lenders, I like it.
1: Okay, awesome.
0: I wish I could just freeze time and, like, read books for hours, and wouldn't it be cool? Oh, I feel like too. I want her to figure out her talent for other things besides just not dying.
1: I uh, That's all I would do is freeze time to read books, because I seriously get paralyzed by how many books that I haven't read, and, like, how many that I still want to read, and just how many are out there, and it. I feel overwhelmed a lot of the time. <laughs> well, I think
0: that's part of why, well, I was just so busy with the bookshelf stuff, but I saw so, so many books that I haven't read, most of which were actively on my to-be-read list, and a lot of which I, like, forgot I even owned. But then there's still books I want to go buy, but I'm, like, overwhelmed by all the ones that I already own and haven't read, and it's, it's like, where do I start? <sighs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess we can start with our next book. Should I? Do you have an intro? Oh, yeah. Or, let's do we, wait, it. do we have, are there more, ever more things we're supposed um, to do? How, how many? We're supposed to rate it. How many year coins would you give it?
1: Year coins? Year Year. oh year coins or what, what's a better Ooh. thing no that's good that's good um out of 10 or no yeah. out have to do of 12 because it's twelve oh, yeah. lives. how
0: many lives did <laughs> you give it
1: <laughs> uh oh gosh five
0: i would give it seven i think
1: wow okay out of 12 oh out of 12 i agree i will give a six out of 12
0: and i think i would read more because this was her first series right mm-hmm i didn't like hate it or anything like I'm right. oh, like for especially for her first book I think she has a lot of potential but there were things that I thought were missing
1: yes I agree
0: but it made me think which I always like to yeah even though it hurt my brain
1: and I, I really liked the concept too
0: yeah it was a cool concept
1: so okay so do you want to introduce the next series
0: we are going to read *Caraval* by Stephanie Garber and I think it's actually a trilogy where the third one just came out or is about to come out.
1: It comes out in, I think, another week, maybe? It comes out sometime in April.
0: Okay, yeah. I know it's like when I looked at the calendar, it was before we need to read that book. But um, <laughs> but I already ordered the first two and it wasn't ready yet. So. so yeah, there's three of them. I didn't grab the other names, but the first one is careful. All right. <laughs> I'll read the inside cover for you. Perfect. A Legendary Competition. A Mesmerizing Romance. An unbreakable bond between two sisters. Scarlet Dragna has never left the tiny island where she and her sister Tella live with their powerful and cruel father. Now Scarlet's father has arranged a marriage for her, and Scarlet thinks her dreams of seeing Caraval, the faraway, once-a-year performance where the audience participate in the show, are over. But this year, Scarlet's long-dreamt-of invitation finally arrives. With the help of a mysterious sailor, Tella whisks Scarlet away to the show. Only as soon as they arrive, Tella is kidnapped by Caraval's mastermind organizer, Legend. It turns out that this season's Caraval revolves around Tella, and whoever finds her first is the winner. Scarlet has been told that everything that happens during Caraval is only an elaborate performance. Nevertheless, she becomes enmeshed in a game of love, heartbreak, and magic. And whether it is real or not, Scarlet must find Tella before the five nights of the game are over, or a dangerous domino effect of consequences will be set off, and her beloved sister will disappear forever. Oh no. Oh man, those are some high stakes. Sure are. (laughs) Okay, and it's a little (laughs) bit more than halfway, but it's kind of divided into different parts for these days, I guess. So let's read up to day four of Caraval.
1: Perfect. Ooh, day four. That's scary. There's gonna only be one day left. I know. It sounds like there's only four and five, right? Ah, uh, yeah.
0: And then we sell two more books, so who knows?
1: I can't wait. Yeah, it sounds good. We haven't read a trilogy in a while, so I'm excited for that. We haven't read any trilogies yet this season. And
0: it'll be fun. I wonder. I haven't checked. We should make sure we do this before it comes out. What her book tour looks like. Maybe we can meet her. <gasps>
1: yeah. That'd be awesome. Has
0: she read it? I mean, has she written anything else? I forget. No, this is her only series. Okay. I have heard good things, though, so I hope that it lives up to what I've heard. Me too. And it's really pretty. I, the, it looks fun. and I know. I love the cover. Yeah. We'll hopefully come up with some creative
1: stuff to do with that. And we'll have to describe it in six words afterward. Oh, oh, yeah. After we're done reading it. Oh, yeah. It's a new thing. Help me remember
0: that because I'm going to forget.
1: Okay, I'll write it down. <laughs> um, do you want a joke? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, I have time jokes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> How can you tell if a clock is hungry? It rings. I have no idea. It'll go back four seconds. <laughs> That's stupid. I love it. What happens when you annoy a clock?
0: It rings. This is my answer. I don't know. What happens when you annoy a clock? I don't know.
1: It gets ticked off.
0: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That one's silly too.
1: What do you call a grandfather clock? Old. Oh, Oh, you're so close. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. An an, An old timer. uh, That's good. Uh, I'm done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are funny. I like the four seconds one.
1: If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can email us at mnktalkwaya at gmail.com or you can send us a message on Facebook or Instagram at MNK Yeah,
0: tell me how to organize my bookshelves.
1: Tell us how to pronounce car- Caraval.
0: Yeah, I already <laughs> forgot what I said. Care, like take care of care? this title.
1: Like Care Bears? <laughs> care, Caraval? Or is it Caraval?
0: I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I'm already stressed out. We haven't even started <laughs> reading it. All right. All right. Bye, bookworms.
1: Go get a library card.